I should say thank you to all the difficulty I've ever been through. Cause I know it's slowly driving me into a deeper grace. When my pride is erased and replaced by a faith that is forged by the hammer and the fire of the Lord to be sturdy as a shield, as sharp as a sword, and He gave me something stronger than whatever's on a mission to break me. I was made to walk in the valley, I was built to stand in the storm. There's a peace deep inside me that cannot last any war. I have faced the dark and the Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to Redemption's Table. Glad you're with us. Steph Cherry is in the studio today. She's going to introduce our special guest because she and her husband, Denby, are friends with Brian and Christy Gunther. And uh, so tell us a little bit about Brian, because I met Brian in your backyard. Yes, uh, Brian is one of our dearest friends, him and Christy. And uh, I asked you, just so the whole world knows, um, to be able to do the intro because I think he's such a beautiful human being and that he wouldn't tell you that. So I was going to tell everybody, hello world, he's a beautiful human being. Um, But anyway, I also met Brian like randomly through other people. I met him at a fundraiser and God, he impressed upon me to pray for him for years before I actually met him and he didn't even remember me or know my name. <laughs> and, and then I told him the story, you know, that that could be a whole episode in itself. Um, but anyway, I just, I've been praying with him and his wife for years through him becoming, um, changing jobs, going to a different school, then becoming the president of that school, um, getting his PhD, um, you know, and then God told me, get on a plane if you really love them and go to Haiti. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I went to Haiti a lot. And, uh, you know, I spent time with with both of them there and just seeing their hearts for people. And then, you know, praying with him and his wife through his brain surgeries. And I just, you know, they were afraid that he was going to die. And um, then just watching him proclaim the gospel, proclaim his healing, proclaim all this stuff that happened to him and sharing his story has been such a beautiful uh, testimony to everybody that encounters him, like you in my backyard talking yeah. to him. That Was that Ross King? That was Ross King, Ross King yeah, backyard Ross King concert. Yes. In my backyard. Um, but then I just, I tried to sit down and think of a word for him. Like if I could say one word about Brian Gunther, this is your word of a year, Dr. Gunther. Um, anyway, it was generative and it's because I wrote down, he, he, um, generates a culture of integrity, growth, character, and the gospel. And, um, he really is just a lovely human and he just teaches and preaches and shares the beauty of Jesus Christ with everyone he comes into contact with. And he's created that culture in his family. Which you can see them on the TikToks um, in school where he's, you know, the president of the San Marcos Academy and in his friendships. Like he's one of my husband's best friends. So I just wanted to share all of those lovely things about him. Wow, that's quite the intro. And he will not 
know of your intro until, <laughs> or, or he will not know of what you said until he's going to have to listen to the episode like everybody else. Right. Tune in, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. A word, a one word description. Good word. And folks, if you never mind, I'm like, I was going to say, hey, if you want a one word description for your life, just reach Send out to $10 dollars too. <laughs> that's, that's kind of where my mind was going, but I'm like, wait a minute, we're a, we're a free podcast. <laughs> my my uh, PayPal is. What, you, <laughs> well, I'm excited to be talking to him because, yes, he made that impression upon me. Uh, and when he told me his story, a part of his story, I would never have known that I was sitting next to someone who had just gone through what he'd gone through. Right. So I'm excited about this conversation and we're going to go ahead and slip right into this conversation right now. So thanks for those words, Steph. And we'll be back talking to you. I mean, this is kind of like a co-host uh, guest position that you just. I love into. this. Yeah, that, that's it's cool. Amazing. All right. Okay. Thank you, Robert. You're welcome. Well, here we are. And now we're going to talk to Brian. Okay. Well, hey, Dr. Brian Guther, we are live now on Redemption's Table. Welcome to the table, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here today. I'm excited. We've been working on getting you here for, I don't know, almost two years now. Maybe not <laughs> quite that. Uh, I met you in somebody's backyard. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. In the, at the, I think it was Gomer's house at the time. Yeah. Uh, and now it's, I can't remember the name of the the house now, but uh, do a lot of good work for a lot of great people. They do our mutual friends, Denby and Stephanie Cherry. Yeah. Uh, great folks. Yeah. I still always will think of it as Gomer's house. I think it's the boho table. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Tim, the tool man, Taylor met Wilson uh, in his backyard, but he never saw, you know, his whole face. I was able to see your whole face. And, it was, <laughs> and we were there for a backyard concert. We were. That's right. With our friend Ross King. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up listening to Ross King, uh, and it was just an honor to be able to see him in person and be able to talk to him. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to do that, and so just to see him that close and personal, being friends with Denby Cherry, uh, really made that possible. And so that was a really awesome, awesome experience. Yeah, uh, he's got a brand new song. Ross does coming out uh, in about a week. Or a week or two, uh, which looks like it's going to be a good one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do something a little different in the way we get into to our conversation today. I'm going to ask you five questions that are just off the wall, random questions. Um, ordinarily, back in the day before COVID hit, we would be sitting in a restaurant and I would let the guest pick where we would be eating. If I was in San Marcos, Texas today, where would we be going to eat? Oh, that's a really good question. If you were in San Marcos, Texas, I would say we'd probably eat at Herbert's Taco House or Palmer's. Okay. Uh, Palmer's is another good place. Uh, Herbert's is, uh, man, that is a local, yokel, uh, very authentic Hispanic restaurant. And uh, it's cheap, but it is so good. Mm. Uh, Garcia's is another favorite of mine as well. I like I like Tex-Mex, so... Any place that you can get chips and salsa while you're waiting for your food to come out, I think that's a win. That's a bonus right there. That's, you're, you're definitely right. I, I, your your wife, Christy, has been on the podcast before, yep. and we yep. met at Palmer's. Um, yep. So, yeah. 
Uh, hey, dude, right. Palmer's does an awesome tapes tableside guacamole. That's one of mm-hmm. my favorite things. <laughs> well, the next time I'm back in the area, I'm going to see if you're available for lunch, and uh, we'll we'll see. Maybe we can make that become reality without a conversation. How about oh, that'd that? Be fantastic. Huh? Yeah. Let me ask you this: Are you a chef or are you a grill master at your house? Uh, I would say chef. Chef, what's your favorite dish? If you were cooking for your family tonight, what would you be making? Breakfast. Breakfast. King, yeah. Waffles, uh, pancakes, bacon, eggs. Eggs. In, I I do eggs to order. So whatever you tell me, however you want your eggs is how I'll cook them up for you. And I do everything on a cast iron skillet. I don't use anything but cast iron when I cook. Um, whether that's you know whether I'm making spaghetti or whether I'm making breakfast, I only use my cast iron. So wow. That's that's how I do it. What time do I come over tonight? <laughs> do you do eggs Benedict? Uh, I have attempted eggs Benedict. I'm not so good at the hollandaise sauce yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, but eggs Benedict are one of my my daughter's favorite uh, breakfasts. I've we tried like to do it a few brunch. times. Brunch, yeah. Brunch, yeah. Especially when there's leftover mashed potatoes, I'll add uh, mashed potato cakes in the mix as well mm. uh, to to use leftover mashed potatoes so kind of a little hash brown thing not make me hungry uh next, <laughs> next next question do you do any impressions well i have a closet voice that i do um i use it in my with my students quite a bit um and you really it's it's a good thing you can see me i know our listeners won't be able to see me but um this is how it goes i'll do the impression for you okay I'm stuck in a closet and I can't get out. Somebody please turn the lights on. I can't see it here. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I don't know if you can understand that or not, but no, it sounds uh, like you're trapped in the closet and can't get out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> that's hilarious. You're the first person I've ever asked about impressions, by the way, too. So. <laughs> I also uh, I used to teach um, history and and humanities for middle school. And we would read the Lord of the Rings series as a class. And one of my rules is we would take turns reading, you know, down the down the rows. But when you read, you have to use character voices. And wow. so I have a I have a Schmeagle voice uh, that I use uh, when I do the Lord of the Rings series. Is it anything like the movie Schmeagle? <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty close. In fact, one time I was doing some work in. Uh, let's see, we were in, in the Netherlands and we we're going through some caves that the, the Nazis used to use to hide art that they had stolen out of Germany. Wow. And in those caves, um, at one point, the, the tour guide turns off all the lights. So you see nothing but darkness and, and they make you walk. So you have to hold on to the person in front of you and they say, this is what it's like, you know, in pure darkness. Well, I, I threw my Schmeagle voice out at the time and uh, it was it, it's something that 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 group of people have never allowed me to forget wow <laughs> I, that sounds classic you are president of san marcos academy i am and how long have you been doing that i've been at san marcos academy since 2015 although this is my fifth year as president so when i came in 2015 i came as the middle school principal Okay. Uh, I was middle school principal for three years and was made high school principal. At that time, uh, the structure was that was the dean of academics. So I was made the dean of academics. I held that role for two months before the board of trustees said, hey, by the way, we're moving you again. And they moved me into the office of president. So wow. uh, this is my fifth year. Um, and these have probably been the five hardest years in education 
because it was shortly, I came to this office in the fall of 2018 and it wasn't long thereafter that COVID hit and then the COVID, COVID recovery. And I feel like this is the first real year that I've had being president. Uh, first, first year was transition, you know, getting into the office and learning everything that I needed to learn here. And the second year COVID hit in the springtime. And so um, it, it, it hasn't always been a fun and delightful experience. It's always been challenging and there's always been room for growth in that process. Um, but uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I love what I do. I love coming to the office every day because I never know what my day is going to hold once I get in mm. here. Wow. Uh, you never know what's going to come through the through the door, but uh, I, I love it. And I love the fact that I get to help uh, impact lives of kids and families um, from three years old all the way up to our 12th grade uh, seniors uh, high school seniors. In addition to that, we have we have boarding students that live on campus with us. So we get to uh, impact people's lives around the world. And to me, how what a better way to fulfill God's mission and calling, uh, which is in ministry for me. And I never knew that would end up in education. Yeah. Uh, but but it is. And 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 now I get a broader touch in the kingdom because of our world uh, enrollment than I would have um, in, in the other positions I held in ministry. Yeah. That, that's incredible. And for those who don't live in Texas, they may just hear San Marcos Academy and, you know, it being a, uh, you know, all the way from pre-kindergarten to senior year, but that's a big deal because this school has a deep history. Uh, I mean, I'm the time I was in Texas, very familiar with San Marcos Academy. Um, so it's it's how many students do y'all have? Uh, this year we have 352 students. So we're not a huge school, but we have broken our enrollment records this year uh, all the way back to 1980s. So our enrollment is growing. Um, and this is our 114th academic year. Our school was founded in 1907. So you're right. Our history goes deep, deep. Um, the only public institution, university institution that's older than us is Texas State University, which happens to reside in the same town that we are in. So we're wow. the two oldest institutions in the state uh, on the state side. Now, there are other private schools and other private institutions that are much older than us. But um, as far as uh, in this area, we're, we in Texas State are the oldest. Wow. I don't ordinarily have the opportunity to speak to a president. <laughs> okay. So my question is, who's your favorite president of all time? Usually I don't even bring that question up. Politics, I'll leave it out. But I'm thinking all time going all the way back from founding fathers to, to today. Wow. Favorite president of all, of all time. You know, I was looking through the other day, I was looking through what the Oval Office looked like for a number. Of, there was a I came across some website and it showed all the Oval Offices from, I think, Hoover all the way to the current overall Oval Office and how they were decorated and all of that. Uh, that that uh, has always fascinated me. Uh, I have a a huge uh, longing and desire in my free time to study monarchies of Europe. This this will get to the president in just a minute, but um, particularly around the 1500s and then moving forward. And so uh, I would say I've done a lot of study in history on George Washington just because he came from England. Mm -hmm. He came out of a uh, a system where he was in the upper class. Uh, he came with a coat of arms, uh, uh, heraldry from England uh, into the United States. And so um, 
historically speaking and and um and and the establishment of the United States I would say George Washington is my favorite president I don't necessarily agree with all aspects like you said a moment ago politically but as mm -hmm. far as the establishment of an institution uh, as far as the establish I mean can you imagine the job that it was to create and help create and father what what is existing now as uh, our current republic uh Wow, that, that just takes a whole lot. And so uh, I have taken for many years eighth grade students up to Mount Vernon, which is George Washington's residence. And we have toured that and gone through. And every time I go through there, I'm just in awe that, uh, number one, that we can still walk through his house. <laughs> but that but that we can walk through a place where he resided as he was uh, coming close to the end of his life, but also in the uh, transition from his presidency back to farmer and fisherman that he was yeah yeah i've been there a couple of times one when i was young and one uh, a few years ago is yeah. a fascinating place as is the entire city of washington dc you said you've been studying the oval office are you getting ready to redecorate your office now? <laughs> just just thinking yeah no 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 i have a nice rectangular office here <laughs> <laughs> You know, you talked about uh, studying the monarchy uh, in Europe. Um, is something you've learned recently uh, that sparked your curiosity? And what's the latest thing? Like, I'll give an example. I just learned a few days ago that there are 8,216 satellites currently, man-made satellites going around the planet, which I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something that's just sparked your curiosity, maybe something you learned today uh, that just like had you going hmm, in awe or something. Uh, let me think. Um, I, the biggest lesson that I've learned just in the study of, studies of monarchies is is kingdom. You know, we, in the United States, we don't have a good grasp on the word kingdom. We've fought against kingdom uh, going back to the establishment of the United States. We have fought against kingdom from the very, very beginning. It's in our DNA as Americans to fight against kingdom. And so when when reading through those histories and, and even even just a, a couple of days ago, I was looking at all of the current monarchies in Europe that still exist today, although mostly figureheads. But there are monarchies all over Europe. I mean, in the United States, we only hear mostly about the British royals. Um, but there are royals all over the, the uh, all over Europe, and they have they ha there's this kingly courtly language that is spoken around monarchies. There is this understanding of kingdom, and I feel like as Christians we lose that aspect of kingdom when we start thinking about God's kingdom, or when we, you know, talk about approaching the throne. All of that is very well understood by people who exist under or with monarchies currently. We don't get that very well in the United States, you know, um, and so I think I think we miss some of that kingdom courtly language when we're talking about the kingdom of God and uh, being heirs to the throne, heirs to the kingdom, uh, which we are. The, Paul tells us we're heirs, uh, co-heirs in the kingdom. And uh, wow, when you think about you know monarchical history and what that actually means, that's tremendously huge and to be to to think about we're adopted into that family you know we didn't have to do anything but say jesus i follow you and i believe you and i love you um that's huge wow yeah yes and, and what you just said the very first thing you said about kingdom about we have fought against kingdom i'm like wow 
now yeah. you've got my curiosity kicked into high gear because you're right. And uh, that's I've never thought about that before. That will, if to say it in the faith language, that'll preach. And, yeah. and that's yeah. something that you could be explored. Uh, 100%. Yeah, reveal who we are. Yeah, for sure. Every chapter in your life, and I don't know a whole lot about you, but what I've learned, just little things, we could take, we could do an entire pi- podcast on each chapter. And and to a certain degree, that's true of every person. We're all walking books. Um, yeah. That day, that evening, when we were there for Ross King, we started talking, you and I, and it's the first time I'd met you. And we hit it off. I think we did. Uh, I, I may have liked you more than you like me. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you told me a little bit about what you'd gone through. And I was just, I would never have guessed with what you shared. You've gone through s- several surgeries yeah. and would like you to talk a little bit about that because you have gone through an incredible faith journey that I can only imagine. And I cannot, I, I, I imagining someone's faith through what you've gone through. I share a little bit about that story. Like we're sitting in Denby in Stephanie's backyard. Yeah. So, uh, I have, I have always been a musician. I have always, I, I grew up around music and playing music and singing music. Uh, Denby uh, is one of my favorite people to play music with. We we have a, a a little band when we get together with us and and uh, John Wheelock. But um, music has always been how I worship, and it's not it's not always in leading worship. But I can sit down at the piano by myself and sing. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in music education. Uh, I I am a certified music teacher, uh, all level K twelve music teacher. So music has always been a massively important part of my soul. Uh, that's how I express myself a lot. And so I, I say that um, just as a preface going into the experiences that I had, which led me to where I am today. But uh, in 2017, it was the fall of 2017, uh, almost about the point when I was going to celebrate my 40th birthday, uh, I um was leading a group of students down to our dining hall and uh, our dining hall were a private school. So we, we have real stainless steel silverware and we have glass, you know, uh, ceramic plates. And so different sounds, you know, in a, in a dining hall, as opposed to styrofoam and plastic. So Mm -hmm. the dining hall is always a little bit noisier Um, conversation, uh, the fall air. So it brings life to, to people after a scorching summer temperatures, you know? And so, um, everything was just, uh, you know, just exciting. And one of my duties at that time was to watch the lunch line as students were going in. We scan our IDs because we have lunch payments and things like that as we go through. And students were grabbing their silverware and their trays and their and their plates. And all of a sudden, something felt differently inside the left side of my head. Every time that there was a, a clank of silverware or a, a scrape, and you know that sound when you scrape your knife on a ceramic plate, Every time one of those those sounds occurred or or loud ice dropping into the plastic cups that we were using, I would feel a, a buzzing sensation right here in my head, right here on the top left side of my head. And that buzzing sensation, people have asked me, what did you feel? And, and the best way I can describe it, and it doesn't really do it justice, is 
if you have if you carry your phone in your pocket and you've got it on vibrate, that buzz that you feel when you're being notified, or if you wear a smartwatch and that buzz that you can feel when you're being notified on something, that's what I was feeling, but I was feeling it internally in my head and I had no idea what was going on. Wow. Additionally, when a sound like that would occur, I would notice that my vision in my left eye would go blurry. Not blurry like looking through a glass cascading with water, but blurry because my eye was vibrating um, with sound, just my left eye, not my right eye. And I wasn't feeling anything on my the right side of my head. And so I thought, well, maybe I've got sinuses. I've suffered with sinuses my whole life. I mean, you live in Central Texas, you're going to have allergies and you're going to have all kinds of uh, things like that. And so I thought, well, maybe I have Maybe I'm having some sinus issues. I'm about to have a sinus infection or, you know, something's going on. And so I really didn't think anything about it. But uh, at that time, I, I I remember starting to get a headache because of all of the issues that were going on. So I, I remember leaving lunch early that day, not really understanding and not really thinking any further about it. I didn't mm -hmm. really understand what was going on. Um it wasn't long thereafter that I started hearing a whole lot more, whole lot more sounds in my head that I've never heard before. Um, I could hear uh, what I had later figured out. It took me a long time to identify what sounds were what in the beginning, but it got to the point where I could hear my eyeball moving uh, wow. as I was reading my email. Um, and it was louder than your voice coming into my ears. The things going on inside of my head were a lot louder. So I, if I were talking to you at that point in time, I would have to really hold my eyes still and and listen to you because my eye would overtake the sounds of your voice coming into, into my hearing. I could hear my tendons and my muscles going down my neck and into my shoulders. I could hear my bones all the way down the left side of my body to a footstep. Um, I've always been kind of a runner. And at that point I had to stop running because the, my left footstep was so loud on the pavement. It was making me deaf in my left ear. Uh, and having no idea what was causing all this, I thought, well, my ears stopped up, my ears stopped up. And, and, and I did feel kind of a stuffiness on this side of my head. So I, I was taking Sudafed. I was taking Zyrtec. I was trying to do every kind of allergy medicine I could think of and nothing. It, it was almost as though I, needed to pop my ear and it just would never pop. So if you've ever had that experience where your ear has been clogged up and you can hear your voice really well, and you can hear, you know, your breathing and that type of thing. Well, mine was magnified to the point where I could hear. And I didn't even know your brain did this, but your brain shifts as things move around on the inside. I could hear my brain shifting positions in my head. I could hear the flow of my blood, not just my heartbeat, but the flow of my blood uh, up on, on the side of my head, having no idea, uh, what in the world was happening to me. I went to ENT after ENT and they kept scoping my ear and saying, your ear's perfectly clean. We don't know what's going on here until one day I went in, um, what I, well, what I found, uh, come to realize is I could hear things almost supersonically like Superman. I could hear, in the lunchroom, if students had earbuds in with their phones, I could hear their music and I could hear their beat uh, as though I were listening to it. I could hear things through the house. I could hear the faucet dripping downstairs and into the kitchen when I was in my bed. Nobody else could hear it, but it was just reverberating so loud. Um, and so uh, one ENT sent me to an audiologist. He said, let's just get your hearing checked. Let's just see what, what's going on there. 
And as part of uh, current audiology practice, they put bone conductors on at one point to do your hearing. So they do the sounds through your headphones, and then they put a bone conductor on your temple and one at the base of your skull on the back. And she said, "We're gonna, I'm going to do some bone conduction just to see what you hear with bone conduction. Everybody can hear that. They have headphones now. In fact, I run with headphones now called bone conduction headphones. But she started playing some tones, and I said, you're going to have to wait. That truck is too, and I was in a soundproof booth. I said, that truck is too loud. I can't, I can't distinguish between the truck and the sounds that you're trying to, to play for me. She said, what truck? I said, that truck, it sounds like it's right outside your window. And she looked out the window and she didn't see a truck. She said, there's a dump truck trying to get that dumpster like down the street. You hear that over this? I said, yes. And it's really loud. So we waited for that to leave. She did her test and she said, you know, I read an article this morning. I think I know what you have. Wow. I said, really? She said, you have superior canal dehiscence syndrome. Had no idea what the, any of those words meant, um, but it's shortened SCDS, which ends up, that is the, the condition that I had. And so there was a hole, uh, a hole between the skull and my inner ear that had developed, which allowed a third window. So we have two windows for sound in our ears. It opened a third window inside my skull, which which my skull then became the um uh, uh, uh the sub if you will that that allowed sounds to reverberate and it would just be louder in 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 through that window of sound and so uh, the only way to fix that was to lift my brain out of place and to to patch those holes that had developed in the temporal bone over my inner ear so that was a skull-based brain surgery it took two surgeons it took a neurosurgeon and a neurotologist uh, so I had a, that, that's a, a fancy way of saying a, an ear doctor that also does skull-based surgeries. So both of those doctors had to go in, one doctor to lift my brain out of the way and the other doctor to repair all those holes. And that was in 2018 that I got that surgery. Come to find out three years later, my, my body had eaten all those patches away and created bigger, even larger holes. And so I had to experience that over again. And this time uh, I went in for surgery. It was uh, 2021. And just, I mean, they were about to put the IV in. They, In fact, they were putting the IV in and they canceled the surgery because the doctor had come down with COVID and couldn't come in that day. Mm. Uh, I, and I was so disappointed because it, it had, the condition that this is, is so life altering, just in movement, in what you hear, constant migraines, um, and, and the, the biggest part to me was I could no longer sing mm. my own voice. My own internal voice was making me deaf. I was losing my hearing because, because of music, um, because of those openings to the, uh, equilibrium system of my left side of my head, any music I would listen to would my eye would think I was doing this, like I was moving back and forth, but really it was the sound waves moving the equilibrium back and forth. So my brain thought where I was rocking, I was not, but my eyeball reacted as though I were rocking so I could maintain balance. And so my eyeball would vibrate with beats of music or with, if you were talking to me and you were using a specific beat while you were talking, my eyeball would beat with your voice, just hearing you come across and it got to the point where we were in church one Sunday and the organ had hit the lowest note on the organ, the foot pedal, and it caused my eye to vibrate so bad. I, I 
nearly passed out. My wife had to catch me. I fell backward, nearly passed out, had to sit down because there was so much vibration going on in my head uh, that it began to give me vertigo. And so uh, a clink of a spoon at that point, the note of an organ, my own voice could throw me into vertigo and the world would start spinning uh, and and have a really difficult time recovering from. Uh, and so when the the surgery was canceled the second time, the second surgery was canceled, I was, I was heartbroken because I thought, oh, it's finally going to be fixed. It's finally going to be fixed. I'm going to go I'm going to wake up from surgery and everything is going to be much, much better. Well, I had to wait another six weeks before I could get back into surgery. Um, so the second time they went in, uh, rather than what they say, filling the potholes, they repaved the road. So they just resurfaced that whole bone. Uh, and, and the doctors have said, we hope to never see you again, unless we run into you just out somewhere. But, um, uh, that second surgery was in 2021 and has been successful, uh, to this point, uh, I don't have all those inner sounds, um, but w- one of the um, issues with that surgery is they shut the left side of my equilibrium off entirely. They closed all that equilibrium up here. So when I came out of surgery, I had to relearn how to walk. Um, I had to. I came out on a walker and then a cane and then progressed to walking. But I had to go through uh, nearly three months of physical therapy just to retrain my brain to only use one side of, of my balance in order to balance. So currently constantly, I feel like there's a brick wall right here on the side of my head. And I'm, I always run into things on my right side because my brain's saying, don't hit that, don't hit that wall. So I'm, I run into door frames or I run into tables or I run into people on my right side, not even thinking about it. Um, because, because I, it, it feels as though there's always a wall right here on my, on my left side that I'm trying to avoid. Uh, as a part of that, you know, part of my physical therapy is physical fitness. And so after graduating from physical therapy, they had me get a personal trainer to to do some uh, exercising and weight training to help with balance. So my weight trainer would have me, you know, hold weights and do squats, but one leg up on a bench behind me, split, split squats is what they call it. And even to this day, I have a hard time when I have to split my legs to do any kind of movement because I feel like I'm going to hit this wall um, and, and have a hard time regaining my balance. Wow. It was during that time where I couldn't do any music at all. Remember, I said music is just a part of my soul. It's how I worship. It's how I commune with the Lord. Over that three-year period, four or five-year period, really, when you add it all up, I had to learn that worship didn't just have to involve music. Mm. I had to learn what silence was because silence was the only time I got any relief from what was going on in my head. I had to put on uh, an earplug in this ear so I wouldn't hear any extra sounds other than what was going on in inside of my skull. Um, I couldn't attend services that had music because I it led to migraines or or the feeling that I was going to pass out. I had to only go in when when the pastor was speaking, and even at those times in sound systems, sometimes the low low voice can reverberate, and that's a really good pastoral technique when preaching from the pulpit. But with my condition, it was debilitating, mm. and so there were times where I would have to, you know, cover my ears or 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 block the sound. I tried every noise canceling earbud and headphone to cancel noise on the left side of my head just to be able to watch my daughters play volleyball um, because the crowd noises in a gym or the buzzer on the 
on the scoreboard was just too much for me. It would throw me into, into a sense of vertigo. Um, and so learning how to maintain faith and worship without doing what I felt like I was gifted to do. That was a brand new path for me. Um, I learned what I learned about journaling for the first time. Journaling is something that I never had any interest in doing at all. But uh, that was one of the few things, I mean, I would hear my eyeball moving um, and I could put up with that as long as that was the only thing I could hear. So I could, I could quietly write without my eyeball moving uh, or without, without any other sound, but my eyeball moving and, and still have com communion with, with the Lord that, that in other aspects, I, I just couldn't do anymore. Wow. When I started doing research on SCDS, I, I joined a couple of uh, groups, support groups on Facebook. And the very first thing they publish in these support groups is the suicide hotline number, because people with this condition, it is so debilitating and, and it's, it's so brand new. They, they've only begun diagnosing this since 1998. Wow. Prior to that, you weren't supposed to hear sounds like that. And so you were put in a mental institution. Hmm. Uh, you were called schizophrenic and moved into a mental institution. Um, and so uh, without a whole lot of doc doctor support in the medical community, uh, a lot of people end up taking their lives with this condition. Oh. Um, and even to this day on these support groups, uh, it's not really well known in the UK still. And so there are some, some, some people that I know only through social media, but I know they suffer every day without any kind of doctor uh, or medical support because those, they think they're crazy. The doctors have told them that you're just crazy. Wow. Yeah. I can only imagine how do you, how do you keep fear from overwhelming you? when you're going through something like that, especially when you enter into the, okay, we now know what it is. You're about to go under the scalpel yeah, um, and then have to do it a second time. How do you, how did you manage what kept fear from just gripping you taking over? There was so much debilitating pain in the condition itself that uh, really I had reconciled either this is going to take my life or this is going to take my life. And, and I was willing to take the risk through surgery to bring any of that other to a close that I would. And it, you know, it took a long, a long discussion with my wife, with Christy to say, is this something that we're willing to do? Um, because there's always risks involved with even minor surgeries. There's always risks. But when we're talking about moving the brain, you know, what is my personality going to be like when I come out of surgery? What is my uh, recovery going to be like? We had no idea how any of that was going to um, be affected. And so um, uh, fear, fear at that point was more, uh, I would say more in line with um, avoiding, trying to avoid any more pain. Okay. I feel like it had gone past the point of fear, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. to the point of uh, there's only there's there's one of two things we can do here. I can either learn to live with this and and have to lay down a whole lot because the world kept spinning or 
I can try this method and, and see if that would work. At that time, there were only three places in the United States you could go to get the surgery. One was at UCLA. One was at John Hopkins University, which is where they discovered this condition initially in pigeons. <laughs> That's how they discovered it, in pigeons. Really? And the other was was in San Antonio. And, you know, by God's grace, we live 30 minutes from San Antonio. And we're able to work with a, a, a doctor, my neurotologist. Uh, his undergraduate degrees are all in engineering. And he is a, a neurotologist now, uh, a graduate of MIT, and is in neurotology and has written this textbook on this condition. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be God's grace that I'm, I'm just right here where I am now? So... Uh -huh. The doors were open enough that uh, it, it it was one choice or the other, and we had decided to take the risk to do that. Okay. But that you know that being said, I, I've I've faced other conditions in my life that um, fear fear in the in the medical side. I feel like I had overcome. I had at one point a, a massive testicular tumor. I had. Uh, that had metastasized its way into my abdomen. Um, wow. And that was in 2007. My daughters were born in 2005 and they were conjoined at the hip. And miraculously, all of a sudden there were four legs in the womb. You know, um, my uh, one of those daughters was born with a hemorrhage, hem hemorrhaging esophagus. And so the doctor said she's got four hours to live. And and she's 18, uh, almost 18 years old today. Was just, I just kicked her out of my office so I could <laughs> do a podcast with you. Wow. Uh, uh, so I, you know, at some point in time, those things you realize God has given you the strength to overcome. It's whether or not you're going to step into that strength or you're going to not, yeah. if you're just going to wallow in self-pity or if you're going to step into the strength and move forward. Good words. I, uh, have you thought about writing your autobiography? <laughs> I'm Actually, I just, I started it last week. Um, I, I've started a Facebook page that talks about my my brain condition. And I, I have started writing a book about it just on that portion of, of, my, of my life. But um, I'm releasing that uh, book by chapter uh, and by part. So I've written a few chapters now, but I'm only releasing it a part at a time so that people can keep up with it on, on the Facebook page, but I'm also narrating it as I go. And so people can listen to it or they can read it, but there are so many people on, uh, in my social network that have the condition that ask me a ton of questions all of the time that I thought, you know, it's time that I write this down yeah. and, and help encourage people because there are some people who, even after the surgery, won't go into, the physical therapy aspect. They'll just think that that surgery is going to solve everything, but there's still a lot of work to do after the surgery. And, and the depression that they experience because of the debilitating condition continues after surgery because, because they're not making the steps to, to continue to press themselves forward in, in recovery. And so that's what, that's what my, my, my book is dealing with. It's what did I experience? What what were the symptoms? How did I deal with it? What was it like for me emotionally? And then what does recovery look like now? Uh, this year alone, I'll be entering probably six or seven foot races that I haven't been running in in quite some time, and and I'm competing in races and winning uh, second second wow. and third place in these in these races. Um, but it's but had I stayed in bed after surgery, had I not made the steps to move forward, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so. I'm hoping to bring some encouragement and and 
you know, uh, from the very beginning, I've always said that that God allows us to go through some of these things. I personally believe I don't I don't know if it's theologically correct, but God allows us to go through these things because it's in that that He gets the glory. Yeah, and 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 that's my that's really what I want. I want I want God to get the glory because. I'm his creation, you know, <laughs> he knew from the very beginning that I would have everything that I've had. Um, but, uh, but it's my job then to become the, the witness of that, to share that with, with people. So he's kept his end of the bargain and his faithfulness to me. So I need to keep my end in my faithfulness and his witness and testimony. Wow. Good, good words. Good insight. I mean, is it okay if we share the the Facebook page on the links to folks? Yeah, to, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To connect them with that. I think. When did you have the second surgery? You said two thousand twenty-one. The first surgery was twenty eighteen. The second surgery was twenty twenty-one. What know. What month? What date? The first surgery was in uh, March the twentieth of twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and the second surgery was April the twentieth of twenty twenty-one. Okay, and that's April twentieth. I saw you at the cherries gomer's house and it was the first part of june yeah and you're telling me that you just you know six seven weeks before had had brain surgery and i'm just yeah. like you know my mouth dropped open probably <laughs> my, my mouth drops open all the time but that, that was like my mouth <laughs> drop i'm like really uh so wow yeah i think resilient is a word that you know a lot about yeah uh, yeah firsthand Maybe maybe they discovered it in pigeons because when you said pigeons, the first thing I thought of is well, those poor birds do fly into a lot of windows. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, no, uh, apparently apparently their ear canals are built a lot similar to humans. Really? Yeah, it's it's what a strange strange thing. But you know that 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 speaks even deeper into the uh, uh, just the miracles of God's creation. You know why would pigeons have the same ear? canal system that that humans have you know <laughs> some point down the road today god knew that that would be helpful in bringing healing uh, to you and and others uh, and i'm not presuming to speak for the holy spirit i'm just like well that's you know god god everything he does is by purpose and design absolutely uh, you know it also helps me it helps me have sympathy and empathy for so many of our mental health conditions are are just thrown aside like like this condition was at one point all the way up until 1998 this condition was just you're schizophrenic and you need to go to an insane asylum Hmm. i heard just the other day that there was a there was another mental health condition they have finally figured out it's a it's a bacteria from living with cats in your house That'll cause your brain to do something a little bit different uh, has forever been diagnosed as a mental health condition when they, when, when you can cure it by an antibiotic now. Wow. So it brings a lot of sympathy to know that not all mental health conditions are what they seem like they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I would have to say not to dissuade any, cat lovers out there that would not be a problem for me to come down with that particular bacteria uh, and i'm not going to say anything other than that <laughs> oh 
Well, man, we could talk about, you know, several other things and maybe bring you back for another time on a podcast. I do want to just kind of close um, and just say, you know, your family, you're, you're married to Christy. Tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. So Christy and I will be celebrating this year as our 24th wedding anniversary this December. So we're just starting our 24th year of marriage. We have four kids. Our oldest is our oldest is 21 and he's engaged and we'll be married in July of this year. So that's wow. exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, absolutely love his fiance, Shaden. Um, our uh, second oldest is our only planned child. He's our adopted child. Uh, he came from Haiti. Uh, he came home when he was 10 years old, although we started that process when he was six. Uh, and and Wilson is a senior this year here at San Marcos Academy. Um, and then I have twin daughters who are also seniors this year at San Marcos Academy. So in a few short months, we're going to be empty nesters, which is really exciting and scary all at the same time. <laughs> uh, wow. So three graduating this year. Three graduating uh, uh, and a wedding. We have a very busy year ahead of us. Holy cow. I, well, I can... <laughs> You know, knowing a little bit about y'all's work in Haiti already, and I, I don't imagine empty nesters. I had a seminary professor, Dr. Phil Briggs, and he said the empty nest is uh, the best invention since sliced bread. And, <laughs> and I think that you and Christy are going to fill that time well. Uh, but that's exciting. And and just I'm not going to talk much about this, just kind of briefly mention it. You have a celebrity living in your house. How do you deal with that? I mean, uh, I, I'm, I wouldn't know unless I knew y'all through Instagram, but, but how many followers does Wilson have? He has over 4 million followers. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He, he, he could, he could quit going to school now and be set just fine with, with what he is able to produce uh, through, through social media, but he is bound to determine he's going to, he's going to university with the, with the girls next year. They all, they all ended up at Mary Hardin Baylor, which is where my oldest son is. And uh, he's going to continue to pursue his college degree. And uh, my, my four children have always worked really well together. And so they kind of all, even though Wilson's the front man and he's the, he's the social media star, he puts everybody to work. We all have something to do. Uh, whether it's we have to act something out for him or answer questions for him or uh, do something, but but we all we all help him in his endeavors. But it's exciting, you know. Wilson, he is a character. He keeps us in stitches all the time. People think that he just acts for these things. This is real life. Everything <laughs> films is real life. He goes, "Oh wait, we're gonna do that again. I need to film that." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, you know, I'm amazed that. You know, I think Steph had told me he had like 3 million followers. You said 4 million. I'm like, holy cow. Is this mainly on TikTok? Is this where it all kicked off? It kicked off on TikTok. And, and that was as a result of the COVID shutdown. Our four children got together and created their own little TikTok channel or whatever. But it's graduated from there uh, into he. the majority of his following is Facebook and Instagram over wow. TikTok. Wow. Might put the links on there too. Maybe we'll have him as a guest sometime. Oh, he would just, love that. Yeah. yeah. Just but the 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 real story behind Oh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, he would love that. Well, man, I'm gonna let you go back to being president uh and hiding <laughs> in the closet and you know doing your, your closet voice there. Uh, and uh this will be out Thursday morning. So I'll send you the link to it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be at the table. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. I'm here. Wasn't that incredible? I want to thank Ross King for allowing 
us to hear his Walk in the Valley song off his unfinished album. That's the title of the album to use at the start of today's podcast and here at the close. I thought it was the perfect match of a song to the story we just heard from Dr. Gunther. I encourage you to go look up Ross's music wherever you happen to listen to music. Until next time, God bless. Mindset. I gotta fight to find the light that's inside When I'm in the valley where the sun never rises And I'll never survive this If I focus on the darkness and how heavy the night is Cause there's a power nothing ever defeats I gotta fortify and get the fire spirit in me So when the whole world's shaking I'm steady Whatever comes, I'm ready I was made to walk in the valley I was built to stand in the storm there's a peace deep inside me That cannot last anymore I have faced the dark and the danger They can't scare me anymore Cause I was made to walk in the valley I was built to stand in the storm Wherever this road may lead Through trouble and suffering I know that you walk with me So I keep walking I keep walking wherever this road may lead Trouble and suffering I know that you walk with me So I keep walking, I keep walking I was made to walk in the valley I was built to stand in the storm There's a peace deep inside me That can outlast any war I face the dark and the I was made to walk in the valley I was built to stand in the storm There's a peace deep inside me That cannot last anymore I have faced the dark and the danger They can't scare me anymore So I was made to walk in the valley I was built to stand in the storm Cause I was made to walk in the valley I was built to stand in the storm